You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. I was walking through the halls of a Minnesota rink. When along came a wild fan who started talking smack to me. He said, I bet you never liked the blues until they won a cup. And so I calmly turned to him and said, hey man, listen up. I admit it's pretty great to win Lord Stanley's prize, but listen. I've been waiting for this moment my whole life. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Heartbreak's all I knew, man. That team from old St. Lou, man. Got a cup in here, 52, man. Give me a let's go blues. I know Oshie, Backus, Berglund, J-Bo, Perron, Petro, Steiner, Allen, Tarasenko, Gunnarsson, Bennington, Edmonds, Shen, Stastny, Elliott, Fabry, Shattenkirk, O'Reilly, Schwartz, Reeves, Yarrow, Barber, Sheparenko, Dunn, Langer, Bruner, Rapportuzzo, Kola, Yakovo. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Heartbreak's all I knew, man. A team from old St. Lou, man. Got a cup in here, 52, man. So give me a we went blue. Welcome to Blue Notes, located on the best city on the Mississippi, the best in the Midwest. We got that Stanley Cup power, too sweet to be sour. And if you're still clueless, we're talking about St. Louis. I am one of half of your Blue Notes team, Tom Franklin, here covering all things St. Louis Blues on the Hockey Podcast Network. And I am joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Wags. Wags, what's going on, bud? Oh, not a whole lot. Beautiful weekend here in St. Louis. Absolutely perfect fall weather. And it makes me want to want to watch hockey. Unfortunately, we're not going to have it for another month or so. But, you know, the Stanley Cup just ended still riding that high uh, of the lightning. And I- I'm OK. I'm OK. I'm just ready for it. To <laughs> yeah, it definitely. It's starting to feel like hockey weather and uh, we're going to be without hockey for a while. But I I love I love this time of year because it means I can wear hockey jerseys again and not sweat my ass off in them. You know, so that that is a positive. That is a plus. Um, you know, fat and sweaty, you know, doesn't really do it for the uh, stream viewers on our video version of these podcasts. So, you know, I'm just I'm just thinking of you, the 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 watcher, the listener. Um, but yeah, I'm wearing a hockey jersey today in case if you're not watching. Um, and speaking of hockey, I want to send a big congratulations out to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Of course, we had uh, Chase Crawshaw from the Bolts broadcast uh, podcast on very recently. And uh, big congratulations goes out to him and that fan base as well. Uh, congrats to Kevin Shattenkirk for reviving his career in Tampa and getting his first cup. Now he's going to go to the offseason here and get paid by someone, hopefully. Um, congrats to the Shen brothers. I didn't even think about this going into this, but uh, Luke Shen, Brayton's brother, uh, wins the cup this year, meaning the brothers go back to back, which... I saw a stat actually this past week, and it's it's very rare for brothers to go back to back like this. It's, it's only happened maybe I want to say at least a half dozen times. And how many of those are the Canadians with the Richard brothers? <laughs> well, yeah, and, and they're all like in the 1920s and 1930s. So you know you had you had the Richards, you had the Espositos, you had um, 
he had another family in there, but like from the 1920s, some very obscure family. But now the Shen brothers have made history themselves. So congratulations to them. Very nice read in The Athletic, by the way, about uh, how Braden Shen and his father celebrated uh, Luke Shen uh, lifting the cup and all that fun stuff. So it's a very good read on The Athletic. Check that out this week. And, of course, we got to send our congratulations to the pride of Oakville, the one, the only, the real big rig, Pat Maroon. So congrats, Pat. And you know what? Um, I, did you see Pat Maroon at the uh, celebration afterwards? Uh, big, bushy beard. I mean, like it, it, it's even bushier than last year's. And he, he's living his best life right now. He really is. Yeah, he, he is. I mean, the fact that he has won back-to-back and basically he can have a whole other off-season of being drunk, belligerent, and excitable. <laughs> um, what better excuse is that? I mean, last year you had the hometown hero, first year, first time that St. Louis has ever lifted the cup, and now you're the first back-to-back champion on a different team since, I think, Claude Lemieux back yeah. in the mid-'90s. So yep. he's got a lot to celebrate, and yeah, I would – Totally take his life in a heartbeat. Did Hosa do go back to back? Because I know he appeared in the finals for different teams. Yeah, I, don't I don't know if he, I I don't think he actually won back to back. I don't though. think they did because it was Detroit and Pittsburgh, was it? Yeah, not? it was Detroit and Pittsburgh. Yeah. So I, I, I don't think he actually pulled it off, but he did appear for back to back teams. So worth noting there. By the way, I was listening to uh, Spit and Chicklets this past week, and um, I think it was Ryan Whitney asked, you know, when, we were, when they were talking about Pat Maroon, you know, he asked, why did the Blues let him go? In the why didn't they resign him? You sign him to a veteran minimum deal, um, you know, and, and why are they messing around with Troy Brower? You know, I mean, not that he was a bat or anything, but it's like, and, and he kind of had a point. It was like, you know, I mean, of course, hindsight's hindsight. You know, at the time, you know, you could see that as as the roster was stacked at the time, there really wasn't a spot for Maroon at least permanently. He might have been like in the McEachern role, you know, where he's kind of in and out. But you do kind of wonder in hindsight. It's like, why why not sign? maroon you know i mean do, do you feel that it was yeah it's a good question because he, he was the hometown hero obviously he had a good season but I, I can see part of why they didn't because he really didn't get going until about halfway three quarters of the way through the season and yes he brought a lot in the playoffs he, he was definitely a guy that was looked to as a leader and he, he, he basically helped this team win the cup but you saw the emergence of Sammy Belay as well. And I think that emergence right there and the consistency that he showed throughout the, the, the Stanley Cup playoffs last year uh, made up the mind, in the Blues' minds at least, that they had a cheaper option that could fill that role. Uh, unfortunately, they kind of moved him around a little bit, so I don't think he got super comfortable in his role. But that, that was it. I mean, you could basically save money there because they were looking ahead for the, the Petrangelo extension potentially. So that, that's kind of what I was thinking. And you know, Tampa Bay was able to throw some money at him as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and uh, you know, just it's a great story. You know, I was I was kind of pulling for Dallas, but you know, I was this was one of, definitely one of those situations where I was happy with whoever won. Uh, so let's uh, um, you know just big big stick taps to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Of course, it's a town of my birth as well, so um, you know that's that's you know I, I'm kind of happy they won for that very that that reason in of itself. Yeah, but you um, were swayed. You were swayed by Farley. I was, I was swayed. Stars. I, you know what? Maybe it's just loyalty. Maybe, you know, because because Farley has probably been our most frequent guest on Blue Notes since the, you know, we started. Uh, so I maybe I was I was maybe it was loyalty to him. I don't You're know. Throwing him a bone. 
Yeah, you know, alone. not not that it matters because he's not even going to be doing the Clean Skate podcast next year. Uh, I don't know if it's been officially announced yet, but uh, he's going up north. Let's just say, and uh, okay, I, I don't think I don't think it would hurt for me to say it. He's joining the Oil Country podcast uh, up uh, for the Edmonton Oilers. He's a, you know, I and, I and I've talked to Farley about this. You know, Farley he actually came to St. Louis uh, late last year. Um, to watch the Oilers against the Blues. And, um, you know, I, I had to show him around town and all this stuff, but he was kind of like, shh, don't tell like, anyone in the network that I'm an Oilers fan because I'm doing the Stars podcast. <laughs> but he likes the Stars as well. I mean, it's not like, you know, it, it's he, he hates the Stars or something, but it's just having talked to Farley, he is a big dyed-in-the-wool um, Oilers fan. So, oh, Well, I can see why you sided with him for Dallas then because if he's an Oilers fan – we're we're praying for you, man. We're praying for you. Well, and not only and not only that, but it's like you know, if I had sided with Tampa and they lost, you know, Chase is still going to do the Bolts broadcast podcast, and he would never let me. He would blame the loss on me, probably. Okay, I'll t- I'll take that bullet for you so if that would have been the case. Yeah, I'm I, I'm hedging my bet there. So let's just let's just let's just say that. So um, also, I want to uh, you know, in case you didn't see my video this week, congratulations to us, Wags, because yes. we were named the best podcast in the entire hockey podcast network as voted on by our peers. Um, the Flames Unfiltered podcast was the most listened to podcast. So we've had Brad Baroud on our uh, podcast before, a very intelligent guy and uh, very well deserved for him. And then management picked Tip of the Iceberg, uh, Nick Berlansky and Nicholas Horwatt's podcast as the best. But um, the 35 odd podcasts in our network voted for this podcast and you know i tried my best not to ugly cry when i when i when i did that video um it just it it it, i was not expecting that at all it came out of nowhere i mean you know i'm a sports fan i've been a sports fan all my life i've been in radio for 12 years but it's just to to have a large number of your peers come out and sit and point at you and say you're the best it 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 hit it hit a nerve for me in a good nerve and i i was just very flattered and you're a big part of that wags because you know i was doing this thing solo for the longest time and you know it, it was fun but it's just like you know i i i needed a partner i needed a tag team partner someone that i can you know reach my arm out and you know get the tag in the hot tag into uh you know, my partner to finish the match and you're, you're my tag team partner wags. And this, this goes, you know, half on you as well. So, well, I mean, you, you laid the fe- the groundwork on this and I, I just kind of reaped the benefits, but yeah, like you said, having somebody to bounce ideas off, bounce thoughts off and, and, and argue with too. I mean, I, we, we kind of messaged back and forth when this broke and, you know, we, we agree on a lot of stuff, but we also disagree on some things as well. But it's good to have that because you can't just have a, a stagnant podcast if all everybody just agreeing on everything. So it's been a good report. It's been a great tag team matchup. And, you know, for me coming in, I, I've gotten a, a good chance to, you know, with the offside by a mile group, uh, Mark Farley over at clean skates and, and a couple of these other podcasts, but you know, you've gotten a chance to kind of get to know everybody in the network, which is really, really good. And, and it's a testament to you right there because, I've only encountered a couple of them and you started all this up. So that groundwork was laid. We just kind of raised it up together and yeah, it makes you feel good. Cause you know, both of us, uh, myself personally, 
I, I up until about the age of 24, I did not talk to people. I did not like to talk to people. I kept to myself. I was in, in a shell. And to go from that to 10 years later, 10 plus years later, uh, yes, I'm aging myself, to, to be <laughs> voted on as the best podcast in a network of, of 35 plus podcasts, it, it just makes you feel really, really good. And it makes you think that maybe you could actually make it in this business. Yeah, who knows? I mean, and, and I'm, I'm with you. I, I was very, very similar to you where I was painfully shy growing up and I didn't trust people. I didn't you know, have a ton of friends in high school just because I didn't, I just, I just didn't trust anyone. I was, I was the proverbial quiet kid in the back of the classroom during my high school days. And I never thought that this would even be a possibility. Um, but it happened. And, you know, I, I thank you guys for watching and listening and giving me a chance to have this platform. And, uh, um, I'm just floored. And I'm grateful and I look forward to better days ahead. You know, even even better days. I mean, we've been apparently we're doing something right. You know, we're we're doing all right, you know, but we're we're gonna be better, you know, as we as time goes on here. And I and I look forward to having you along for the ride from the bottom same, of my heart. Same here, man. Same here. And uh where when do we get the women? That's that's what I'm looking forward to. When does that see, come see, into play? We, we got to talk to Brad Baroud about that because, you know, because he was the most listened to podcast, you know, he dominated the females 18 to 34 demographics. So, you know, we need we need to have him pass the love, you know, down from I think he's in North Dakota. So he needs to pass the love down the Missouri River to us here. You know, Brad, if you're listening, uh, hook us up seriously from one award winner to another. Share the love. Um, next time you're in, your, in St. Louis, I'll get you some toasted ravioli and some schlafly, and uh, you know we'll we'll pay it, we'll pay it back. I promise. I owe you, Brad. All right. Um, speaking of I owe you, um, we uh, we had a Twitter poll uh, this past week, and uh, over 50 of you uh, responded to it. And let me go ahead and actually pull the poll up so I can actually know what I'm talking about here. See, this is award-winning content here. Award-winning content, you know, prepared broadcasters, professional broadcasters. Here we go. Blue Notes question of the week. Would you give up a first-round pick to unload Alex Steen's $5.75 million cap hit only if you knew this was how you get Petrangelo re-signed? And 56 votes uh, came in, and with 59% of the vote, 59% of you voted yes. You wow. would give up a first-round pick if it meant it, to unload Steen, if it meant Petra was coming back, 41% of you said no. So kind of a close vote, but, you know, maybe not, not that close. I mean, it was it, it's kind of revealing how much fans really like Petrangelo here in St. Louis and don't want him to go wags. Yeah, I mean, it's just about two-thirds uh, of the voters went with that direction. That That is – I am surprised. That it was kind of that big of a gap. I thought it'd be more in that 51-49, 52-48 range where it would be pretty well split. Because the first round pick is is huge. I mean, even for a team that makes the playoffs and it's going to be a lower end first round pick, it's not going to be this year's first round pick. So who knows how next year goes? All of a sudden you may have a top 10 pick and all of a sudden you're gone and you're, you're here with Petrangelo for eight years and can't really send anybody else. So I was a little surprised it was about that big of a gap. Um, I'm not opposed to it, but I will out myself as being a no voter. Uh, I, I don't give up a first round pick if that's the case, because you got to restock the cupboard at some point. Right. Uh, and, and, and I, I, I was on the fence on it because, which was, which is kind of what made it a good question. You know, it was, it's, it's kind of an interesting scenario you lay out there. 
And I would have said yes. I mean, because only because I know Doug Armstrong can work some magic to get another first in a trade some way, somehow. Um, how he does that, I don't know. Um, but he's worked the magic in the past, like the Ryan Reeves deal, for instance, that came out of nowhere. You just never know with Armstrong. Also, Brian Elliott got traded for a very high second round pick from Calgary, which became who was it? Who who did the Blues uh, draft with that pick? I don't remember. Jordan Cairo. Oh, okay. Okay. The, Brian Elliott became Jordan Cairo. That's that, that's one of my favorite like recent Blues trivia question answers. Uh, was that that was the very pick there? So um, we also asked you in that poll to retweet it and get entered to win one of our beautiful, beautiful cloth masks. So do I have it? I need to make sure I have it on the right side this time because I really screwed this up last week. Uh, I think it's right. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah beautiful, beautiful cloth mask like this in our new blue and yellow scheme and our new logo. Um, they are very sleek. They are double layered. So, uh, they're not gonna, you're not gonna get COVID, you know, germs on other people, you know, at least not as many. Um, I, I don't know the, the, the science behind, you know, mask and COVID and stuff seems to always change, but I'm pretty confident. These are, these are good quality stuff. Your Teespring wouldn't give us junk, you know, let's just say that. So we did roll for, we did, uh, pick, I did pick a winner off stream earlier. Uh, one of our retweeters and our winner is Justin Boninsteel uh, at J Bones. So Justin, I will message you um, after uh, we are done recording to let you know you have won and uh, get your address, and we will send you a, a new cloth mask. Um, it it'll take about a week or two just because Teespring prints these um, whenever they are um, ordered. So. Uh, but congratulations to, to Justin. We will have another uh, poll this week, and uh, we will announce that as we uh, go on through this episode here. So uh, as you can imagine, um, we are talking about Petro, Petro, and Petro this week. Um, and I, I want to focus more on kind of like, you know, what we that poll question. You know, we, we speculated that Alex Steen might be the one that has to be moved out to uh, get Petrangelo under the cap. So we're going to, you know, go over who goes to keep Alex Petrangelo. There, there's some options that uh, Jeremy Rutherford laid out in his athletic article last week that I thought were pretty interesting. He also had a couple interesting, he had also had an interesting idea with this guy right here, Bobby Ryan. You know, would you like to see Bobby Ryan in a Blues uniform? We'll talk about that a little later. And then um, Elliot Friedman happened to drop this nugget right here with Clayton Keller. You know, and that Arizona might be looking to trade him as well. So let's have some fun being an armchair GM today. And let's make all the trades. Let's make all the signings. This is going to be like EA NHL 21 franchise mode where you can get the best players and you don't actually have to tell the players they're traded. So you can do it guilt free, just like us, like we're going to do today. So did, did, did you toggle the salary cap on or off? Uh off, of course, duh. Good. I mean, you can't have you can't have Ovechkin and Crosby and Drysaddle on the same line, you know, with the salary cap is on. Gosh, gosh, you rookie. Uh, by the way, I, before we get to that, I want to say um, NHL EA Sports actually was able to change my mind on buying NHL 21 at launch this year for a couple reasons. Number one, the Be a Pro mode uh, has been retooled and looks very nice, but the real reason. The real reason, Wags, and I'm going to have to do some streams of this. 
NHL 94 Rewind. They have put NHL 94 in NHL 21 with the modern rosters. And as, as, a, as a kid that, you know, learned how to play video games on NHL 94, we're talking about the cradle of my video game fandom right there. I had I, I had to I had to fork it over, Wags. I had to give them a pre-order. Not only that, but if you pre-order for through GameStop, you get a Happy Gilmore Pop Funko. Oh, that's so pretty nice. I had to I had to get the Happy Gilmore. They they pulled out all the stops to get me to part with my money, Wags. But uh, are are you getting NHL twenty one this year? Uh, yeah, I probably will. Um, between between that and Star Wars Squadrons, um, I'm going to probably be playing more video games than I've played in the last three years. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll <laughs> be forking over the money for for 21, especially now that 94 is a part of it. Because just like you, that's what I grew up on. I mean, the sounds uh, of of that game just they're they're my childhood. So yeah, I, I will be forking over the money as well. And I can't mention NHL 94 without mentioning our Blue Notes face off of the week this week, and that is. Jay Fresh Hockey on Twitter. He is a rising star in the hockey analytics community, and he's going to join us here in just a little bit to kind of give us an autopsy, if you will, of not just Alex Petrangelo, but maybe the top four defensemen that will have to shoulder his load if Petrangelo walks. Uh, he's he's very knowledgeable. He's very uh, um, just very it's you're going to be educated when, when you hear this guy and see some of the graphs that we'll be putting up later on. I can't wait for you guys to uh, hear from Jay Fresh Hockey. Follow him on Twitter at Jay Fresh Hockey. We've got his uh, deets in the uh, scrolling bar below if you're watching uh, via video. So anyway, back to the free agency. I got kind of sidetracked there. Um, the first thing I want to talk about is that, you know, in the athletic article, um, JR kind of, you know, blew holes into my, you know, Twitter poll this week um, about Alex Steen. And he basically speculated that Steen's probably not going to be on the move, you know, whether it's the injury or just for one reason or another. Um, so let's let's assume that Alex Steen is going to be a blue next season. He's definitely not going to get bought out. It's just the the juice is not worth the squeeze there. You know, you're not you're not going to get that much savings by buying out Alex Steen because he's over 35. And he also um, has to be healthy too, I believe. I think that is another part yeah. of that buyout process. So once again, that injury coming into play as well. Yeah, it, it 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 just it's just not worth it. Steen's going to be a blue for one more year. We've got to deal with it, but which is fine because I like Alex Steen. I still think he provides value. Um, Jr. did mention that Tyler Bozak could be on the move. Now Bozak has a ten-team no trade, and so there's there's that's two thirds of the league that he would not provide any roadblocks to being traded to. He's still a valuable forward. In fact. For a while this season, I thought he was playing Selkie level, you know, you know, as a defensive center. Um, do you think maybe it, it? Do you see a Tyler Bozak trade happening? Do you see him being a blue next season? I think it's more and more likely that he is the guy that would be moved. Uh, the only thing I could say though is that I think that only happens if the Blues sign Petrangelo before free agency hits. Um, if that's the case, be, you know, that's the reason they moved Jake Allen was to free up some money to show basically what they had left to, to do once Petrangelo signed. So he he gets moved if Petrangelo re-signs before free agency opens up. Um, and in that case, yeah, he's, he's the most likely because, like you said, Alex Steen is not going anywhere, uh, and he's the only other guy that you look at that has a high contract that you would be okay with losing, at least for the upcoming season. 
Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, the, the thing with Bozak as well is that I know he really likes playing in St. Louis. And, uh, you know, it would be kind of a tough, you know, deal for him if he's moved. I mean, because especially because he's an older player. And, you know, I'm going to assume that on his 10 teams, like, you know, that he's he's going to block a trade to. I would think like the Ottawa's and Detroit's are on there. I mean, he's not going to want to go to a, an also ran at this point of his career. He's going to want to go to a contender. So it'll be interesting to see what is done with him. Now, he also brought up Jaden Schwartz, you know, and not as a particularly realistic trade target uh, for a couple reasons. Number one, he's good. Number two, he um, he did switch agents. He's no longer with Newport. You know, he he dropped them. And he went to, I think it was Octagon, I believe. But, you know, I, I say that because there appears to be a rift between Petrangelo's agency group, Newport, and Doug Armstrong. So I thought I found it very telling that Schwartz went ahead and made that switch, which seems to indicate that, you know, he wants to stay in St. Louis, which does, you know, it's the team that brought him into the league. It's a team that's given him opportunities to be a top six forward pretty much from the jump. And he's, he's another one of those players that seems to really like it here. So... Personally, Wags, I and not only that, but I want to show you uh, just uh, cap friendly here, uh, really quick. The issue is not Schwartz when it comes to contracts. Steen off the books, Bozak off the books. Um, you know, is Petrangelo going to be around? Maybe he's off the books. Biddington, he needs a new contract. Maybe he's off the books if he, you know, turns into you know a if the Cinderella story turns into a pumpkin this year. Who knows? Um, but I think there is going to be money to sign Jaden Schwartz. I don't think he asked for that much more than 5.3. I mean, I, I'm thinking maybe six and maybe he gets a Shen deal, like a, you know, six and a half, maybe. But I just, I just don't see, I don't see Schwartz getting traded. What, what, what do you think? See, I'm, uh, this is one of those where I am completely 100% on the fence on this one, because you've seen what Jaden Schwartz can do. You've also yeah. seen what Jaden Schwartz can't do. You also see that he can't stay healthy. Um, True. You know, is he a guy that you're going to give six and a half million to for the next four or five years and kind of hope and pray that he stays healthy? You know, he, he's definitely grown in the last couple of years, but he's still a streaky scorer. And, that, and that's the thing that really scares me. Braden Shen is a little bit more consistent. Ryan O'Reilly is by far more consistent. Uh, and that's what you have to weigh is, you know, how much consistency do you have and how much ability do you have in putting into streaky players? Because you pulled up that cat friendly and you look at it and you go, OK, you've got those guys at the top. Vladdy is pretty streaky, you know, so you've got that in, in the mind. David Perron, he's actually been pretty consistent the last couple of years. Sunquist, fourth liner. Sammy Blay, still not sure what you're getting out of him. McEachern, same thing. And you got your, your free agents. Zach Sanford, kind of a streaky player. Barbashev, fourth line player. Robert Thomas. Not still sure what you're getting out of him, but I I, I think high, very highly of Robert Thomas. Jordan Cairo, not really sure what you're getting out of him as well. So really you're looking at it and you only have about three guys that are ridiculously consistent. Everything else is just like question marks. So yeah. obviously free agency and each year is a crapshoot, so you don't know what you're going to get. But I would like a little more certainty. And if somebody comes along and gives you a deal that you just cannot refuse and it allows you to lock up Alex Petrangelo, if I'm Doug Armstrong, I, I'm definitely sitting down and thinking about it. It's something to consider. Just, you know, like you, you touched upon it earlier in that, you know, the cupboard's pretty bare for the Blues in terms of prospects. And, you know, if you can find a team that will be willing to give you, like, you know, a 
good, you know, good picks, you know, highly rated prospects, especially in the forward department, because the Blues are empty when it comes to forwards. I mean, they have Torupchenko who's playing with Kunlun in the KHL this year. Uh, they have and they have a couple interesting names, but the 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 Kairos and the Costins are just about NHL level right now. And beyond that, there's there, there there's a gap. There is a noticeable gap. Defense, I think the Blues have you know a, a decent stable there. I think goaltending, you know, with Hofer and uh, Fitzpatrick, I think they're fine there. The big thing is with forwards, and I can see Schwartz being moved if only because Doug Armstrong thinks okay. He's the one guy that has value. This is the one guy that I could move with the COVID era because you may not be able to move an Alex Steen. You may not be able to move a Tyler Bozak. You may not be able to move a Justin Falk for multiple reasons, you know? So Schwartz might be the one movable asset you have in this wild pandemic world that we live in. So I just, I personally don't see it just, just because of what he's meant to this community and what he's meant to this team over the years. I do see your point in that he's he he can be very inconsistent. He reminds me of Jeff Cortnall in a lot of ways. You know, maybe maybe not as maybe not as uh, much of a pest as Cortnall was, but very streaky, very inconsistent, and was kind of it's kind of a jack of all trades forwards in that he's not like a dedicated scorer. He's not like a dedicated playmaker. He can do a lot of things good, but there's not greatness with with Schwartz. There's good. He's a very good player. But he's just not he's not at that elite level. So maybe there is a, a trade to be uh, had there with Schwartz. It's just very hard to imagine that happening. Maybe it's just because he's played with the Blues for so long that you find it very hard to imagine him in a different uniform. You know, maybe yeah. that's maybe that's it with me. Uh, I I agree, and, and I'll say this: my brother pointed out something this year when we were at the Blues games, and I think it's a an impetus for a, a great drinking game if we uh, if Jaden Schwartz sticks around with the Blues. Uh, you need to take a shot every time he falls down. <laughs> I'm saying, go back and watch the tape. Maybe, maybe he's taking some shots before the game. You know, maybe he is, but it, it, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting uh, drinking game if he sticks around with the Blues. We may have to revisit that when the season starts up again. I, I really don't think that he does that. But I, I, I think back when I, when I say that, I think back to like, remember the Boston Red Sox in the 2000s? How uh, I, like, yeah, yep, Ke- yep, Ke- uh, Kevin Millar, Kevin Euclid. I mean, they would they would hit the bottle before the game. Uh, heck, I remember when um, uh, Vita Blue uh, pitched. What was it? A perfect game while he was like high on LSD or something. Doc Ellis. Doc Ellis. Doc Ellis. Doc Ellis. Doc Ellis. So there's a precedent. But no, I, I Jaden Schwartz is not either of those guys um but you know we another guy that that jr mentioned i found this very interesting because he's the albatross he is the uh immovable object on this team if you will and that is justin falk and jr speculated that teams could be interested in falk but that would require them eating uh some of his contract on a yearly basis like maybe like a like one and a half to two million dollars now, I have a hard time imagining Doug Armstrong agreeing to a trade where he eats a sizable portion of Falk's contract at this point because this would be Armstrong basically coming out and admitting that he's taking the L on this one. He screwed up in, in, in getting Justin Falk and signing him to that deal. And as we know with Armstrong and these Petrangelo negotiations, he's a very prideful guy. You know, it, 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 the reason the Blues might lose Petrangelo might be because, at least in part, due to Doug Armstrong's own pride and own hubris. And that'll be an, a very interesting discussion we'll have if that does happen, you know, in our next podcast episode. 
Uh, but getting the back to Justin Falk, do you see this happening where a team is willing to take Justin Falk, that Falk is willing to move because he has a no movement clause, and Armstrong eats a sizable chunk of his salary to do it? I don't see it. Yeah, I I don't see it either. And I think in, in this case, in this one case right here, Armstrong might be willing to to make that deal because you know he he did take a, a chance on on Justin Falk and he was kind of using it as a buffer in case Alex left. Um I, I could see him admitting this one just especially if they were to keep a transfer because of it. But really I don't think Falk moves waves his no movement clause. That that's really what it comes down to is I don't think he'll he'll leave because I actually think he likes playing in St. Louis despite you know the vitriol that's been coming down on him. And and Falk seems like a guy that wants to prove the naysayers wrong. I mean, he did it so long in Carolina that he's pretty much used to it now. And, you know, the, the teams that would be looking for a defenseman are, are teams like, oh, I don't know, a Toronto Maple Leafs. And uh, I don't think he wants to get put under that microscope as well. So I think really the, the big hang-up would be his no-movement clause. I, I, I think Armstrong would be okay with letting him go. And I think the Blues would be okay with paying him a million and a half, two million for the next couple of years, because like we talked about earlier, the cap opens up a lot more. The, the the availability opens up a lot more after this upcoming season. So it, it's definitely something that's palatable. So I think it comes down to the no movement clause, and I, I just I don't think it happens. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, as much as I would like to see it happen, it's not going to happen. Um... Now, does a situation come up where maybe he's exposed in the expansion draft and maybe the Blues give up a pick to Seattle for them to take him? Maybe. But that, you know, that's that's only going to happen after another year of Justin Falk in the Blues uniform and him crapping the bed like he did. Because, you know, a lot's been said about, you know, Justin Falk and how he has he had a tough time adjusting to the Blues. Part of that was because I don't think Ruby used him to his strengths. At all. Um, and not only that, but he was kind of blocked on the roster because uh, you had you still had Petrangelo and you still have Pareko. So that's going to make Falk the third pairing defenseman. Because and, and we learned early on that Falk is not the greatest on his offhand. He's not the most comfortable there. So there was the issue of him adjusting to St. Louis and finding his role. Now, I thought in the series against Vancouver, he was he's starting to come out of his shell a little bit. So maybe there's a bit of a glimmer of hope. We'll talk to Jay Fresh about that here in a little bit. Um, but this next year is going to be interesting with Justin Falk in a Blues uniform. If Petro goes and if Falk has to take a stepped-up role, does he rise up to the occasion? We'll have to find out. I, I, I think I, I, the only thing with with Falk is I think back to when he was with Carolina and when he was when he came up and he was asked to play top minutes early on in his career and really carry the load of that defensive core. And he did it. He stepped up and maybe that's, maybe that's the issue here. Maybe, or at least part of it anyway, is that he needs to feel he's in a vital role. Maybe that's the issue. We'll see. We'll see about that. Um, I'm trying to be optimistic when it comes to Justin Falk. I really am. I really am. Um, also trying to be optimistic about Marco Scandella, which I still don't hate this contract that he has here four years 3.275 mil i thought he looked really good in the 11 games that he played with pareko i thought he looked i mean he, he slotted right in where jay Bo left off and you know provided a 
veteran presence. He's very vocal on the ice. He's a good teammate. Um, he checked a lot of boxes that makes you understand why Armstrong gave him that extension that he did. Now, JR speculated that maybe Scandella could be moved. Uh, worth noting that Scandella, in his new deal, has a seven-team no-trade list. So I assume that's probably your Buffaloes and your Detroits and your Ottawas, your, your, your chumps. He's 30 years old. He wants to win a cup. Um, I don't see Scandella getting moved either because, again, Wags, that would be Doug Armstrong admitting failure. Yeah, it, it would. And in this instance, I don't think that's going to be the case. Uh, you know, he did, he's basically making, I think, just slightly more than J-Bo mm -hmm. was making uh, this year. So it's not like you're you know, paying him an exorbitant amount of money. And he did slot in very well there with Pareko. Now, the, the big question becomes, especially if Petrangelo leaves, if Pareko jumps up and is that top pair defenseman, is Scandella a top pair defenseman? And that's where things start to get tricky because if he plays well with Pareko, you're golden. But is he a top pair defenseman? If he doesn't play with Pareko, how does he play and what does he look like? And that's where things get a little scary. So it, it's definitely something to bear watching, but I don't think he's going anywhere either. And that leaves us to the other trade candidate on defense that, the, that Armstrong mentioned. And this is another guy I don't see moving, um, but maybe in a, in a particular scenario, and that's Vince Dunn. Vince Dunn, restricted free agent. Um, I don't see it happening unless maybe he's offer sheeted and the Blues have like really good kind of get their backs pressed up to the wall. Because if Dunn gets offered a contract between 2.2 and 4.4 million, the Blues in that case would get a second round pick. And is that worth telling Vince Dunn bye-bye for that? I, I mean, he was a late second-round pick himself in 2015. He was the number 56 overall pick, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's worth it, but it, it puts the – you got to admit, Wags, it, it kind of puts the Blues in a tricky situation because I think there are going to be teams that are going to pick on teams against the cap like the Blues, like Tampa. Tampa has a few restricted free agents coming up that are going to try to go at they, There's going to be a couple offer sheets this offseason, I think. And I think Vince Dunn is going to be an intriguing offer sheet idea. Um, what do you think happens with Dunn? Um, I, I think he gets moved. I really do, because you've got Scotty Perunovich coming up. you still got McCullough down there as well that needs to see some time up here in the NHL. And, you know, with, with Dunn, he's, he's amazing on the offensive end of the ice, but his defense is just not at the quality that you want it to be. And Perunovic is a guy that obviously led his college division in points as a defenseman last year. And he's also a fair defending defenseman as well. So basically in that instance, you may have an upgrade over Vince Dunn. Uh, and then McCullough is just another Colton Pareko potential as well. So as much as it would pain me to see Vince Dunn go, because I like his fieriness, I like his offensive capabilities, um, he's going to be a guy that is going to need to move up from that third defensive pairing. And is that, just in Scandella's case, is he a guy that can rise above where he's been at before? And if he can't do that, are you really going to be able to commit money to him in the future? So if someone comes in at 2.2 to 4.4, I'm like, hey, Thanks for what you did here. You won a Stanley Cup. We appreciate your time. Good luck with whoever, wherever you're going. Yeah, four point four. That that that's no. That no. that's a that's that's not going to happen. I mean, I mean, I think someone might offer him four point four, and if that happens, sign our bye. 
Yeah. Um, I, I like Vince Dunn a lot. I hope he doesn't go. Um, I mean, yes, he's got some defensive issues, sure, but you know, you just watch him on the ice and you just see, you know, that game changing offensive talent that lies within him. You know, it's just he just unfortunately is a little one dimensional, although the analyst community gives him a lot more credit on defense than you know, maybe me and you see. And we'll talk to Jay Fresh about that coming up here in a little bit. Um, but yeah, he's an interesting name to follow this year. But another thing I consider with if you lose Vince Dunwags, the St. Louis Blues Fortnite game just goes into complete shambles. That is done. He carry he carries that Fortnite team, you know, and he streams on Twitch all the time. Um, yeah. The the blues will go down in the Fortnite rankings. Um <laughs> finally. I actually got, got, got a couple more interesting ideas here. Um, one comes from JR. JR speculated that the Blues might have some interest in Bobby Ryan, the right winger from the Ottawa Senators before that Anaheim Ducks, was a very highly regarded, very high producing right winger with Anaheim, signs a big deal in Ottawa, uh, falls into the proverbial bottle. And uh, he actually became, he actually ended up winning the Bill Masterton trophy this year because he came back from that. He looked like a new player. He looked really good for Ottawa when he came back. Uh, Ottawa decided to buy him out of his last two years of his deal. So he's getting paid by Ottawa pretty big bucks regardless. And JR speculated that maybe Bobby Ryan would only command something like a mil and a half, you know, to play like a third, you know, third line, maybe second power play unit type of a role. Um, you know, just, and, and of course we all, we know that the blues are willing to take a chance on guys like that because they just hired Jim Montgomery who had his own alcohol issues to deal with very similar to Bobby Ryan. So I think Wags, you know, if, if, if after the, the Petrangelo situation falls out and the blues are looking for some forward depth and if they don't get back Pat Maroon, which I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Um, I think Bobby Ryan for a mil and a half, why not Wags? I take Bobby Ryan in a million and a half in a heartbeat, and I install him in the top six. Uh, <laughs> really? So, yeah, I, I think he is is a guy that can kind of take the not take the place of Vladimir Tarasenko while he's out, but you put him in that kind of role, and I think he flourishes with a with a Ryan O'Reilly and, and a Jaden Schwartz um, or or a Braden Shen, whoever whatever that two pairing is. Uh, I think you put him up there. I really really do. You know, he he has shown in the past that he's got a nose for the goal. And that's what this team needs—a big body as well. He can go to the front of the net. Um, you know, obviously, third line is probably where he would slot in the best at. But in my mind, early on in the season, top six, I, I get him up there and I just put him through his paces, see what he is. It's a million and a half bucks. If that is one of your top six guys and he produces ten to fifteen goals, you've won already. So I'm I'm all in on the Bobby Ryan train. I think that is something that makes too much sense for St. Louis. And and the rumors are that he has interest in St. Louis as well. So it's not like you're asking a guy to come here and then have to sell him on the city of St. Louis. I think Bobby Ryan wants to be in St. Louis as well. So it's, it might be a match made in heaven. Yeah, definitely. And I, I wouldn't mind it at all. I think, I think he's a veteran. Um, you know, it, it can't hurt to have a couple veterans like that, that, you know, have been there, you know, per se, I think, I think he does have a cup. I think, he, I think, I think he was with yeah, Anaheim I, still yeah. when they, when they won the cup. So he's got that pedigree. I mean, why not? Um, but now let's have some fun. You know, let, let, let's, let's truly play, you know, St. Louis blues fan armchair quarterback, you know, let's have, let's have some fun. 
And I found it very interesting and noteworthy that St. Louis Today picked up on this. Sportsnet insider Elliot Friedman suggests that new Coyotes GM and former Blues assistant GM Bill Armstrong may put our town's Clayton Keller into play. This guy right here, I pulled his jersey card from the uh, box of uh, uh, upper deck cards that I just uh, opened up recently. It's a beautiful card. He's a great player, uh, in my opinion. Um, he may put Clayton Keller in play, and that would be a bit puzzling since Keller is the team's best young forward, but perhaps Armstrong wants to move his eight-year, $57.2 million contract extension that kicks in next season. Now, I know the Blues do not have a lot of money, but they do have some contracts they can move to offset some money for a Clayton Keller, of a guy of his caliber. Of course, Clayton Keller, born in Chesterfield, raised in Swansea. He's a St. Louisan. He's a young forward. Um, I say bring him home. Bring him home. I think he could take the next step up in his career. I mean, he, there's been people that have been very disappointed in his game the last couple of seasons. Have him come home. Get some of that home cooking in Swansea. Maybe that'll, maybe, maybe that'll get him going. And there's some creative ways you can maybe make that happen. But what do you think of the idea of a Clayton Keller trade this offseason for the it, Blues? It would be very, very interesting. Uh, I'll put it that way. I mean, I would say I'd probably take a Taylor Hall signing over a Clayton Keller trade. But I, I plugged in a one-for-one a in Cat Friendly's trade simulator uh, with Arizona and St. Louis. Uh, a a straight-up one-for-one, Justin Falk for Clayton Keller. And uh, <laughs> and and you're thinking, oh, well, okay, could that work? Uh, the Central Registry accepted that trade one-for-one. One. So there is p potential. Now, the, the one thing that's interesting is that Keller's cap hit would be more than Justin Falk's cap hit. A bit. Uh, so it, it's... It's not out of the realm of possibilities, and it would be really interesting to see a St. Louis kid here. But if I'm going to be trying to find ways to bring St. Louisans home, I'm giving it a couple of years. I'm putting the full court press on Brady and Matthew Kachuk. That's a good point. That's a good point. You know, I mean, I, I would love to see at least one of the Kachuks in a St. Louis Blues uniform again. I mean, absolutely. That that would be the dream. Uh, worth noting, by the way, Justin Falk makes six and a half mil. Clayton Keller makes 7.1 mil. So there is about a 600, $650,000 difference there, which I think they can deal with. What about this for an idea? And I just thought of this, you know, as we were, you know, talking about some of the possible trade options here. What about Jaden Schwartz for Clayton Keller? I, oh, straight up. What the I, trade is one for one. No, no, no. I, I just think strictly, monetary strictly monetary it's it's better to have Jane Schwartz on this team than it is Justin Falk or than it is Clayton Keller you're probably right but I mean I, but the thought there is at this point Jaden Schwartz is a better player I think is he has the numbers to prove it yes he's inconsistent but he's got the numbers to back it up but the idea is Schwartz is older and he's got one year until free agency so you're kind of balancing current production versus potential and also something of a poison pill of the contract. Um, I, now, if it were me, I'd do that deal. But I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, <laughs> this is obviously armchair quarterback, you know, you know, STL Today forums type of, you know, garbage we're talking about here. But it's fun to dream. It's fun to dream. 
it's it fun is to dream. It's, it's just for me it's hard to uh it's hard to trade for potential when that potential has a seven million dollar price tag attached to it That's if, if Keller was still on like a rookie contract and you had a couple years and they had soured on him and they were like look you know we're going to sign him. Maybe it's a sign and trade and they go, okay, we're going to sign him to a five and a half million dollar deal because we think he has potential. We'll flop flip flop him and Schwartz. At that point I might, I might be okay with it. But when you're basically asking to take on $7 million in a contract on potential, that's where it, it scares me. And, uh, and I, that's why I don't do it. That's fair that, you know, you're, you're very reasonable and that's why you're on, uh, on blue notes here as a co-host. Thank you for that. Thank you for talking. Thank you for talking me off. That's my life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. One, one final note here. Uh, I want to give some stick taps to the uh, St. Louis blues organization. They were named the team of the year by sports business journal, not just for St. Louis, in all North American sports, they edged out the Minnesota Twins in Major League Baseball. They edged out the San Francisco 49ers of the NFL, the Toronto Raptors of the NBA, and the even the U.S. women's national soccer team. They beat all those teams for that award. What a huge honor. I mean, you know, I mean, who knew that the Blues had the best sports organization in North America? That's absolutely shocking. I mean, I understand why they beat the Twins and the 49ers because, A, they have championships in their past and they didn't win last year. Uh, but the fact that the Raptors were up there and what they did last year in the NBA, they, them winning their first NBA championship, and when you can beat out the U.S. women's national team soccer-wise, that's a huge accomplishment and because that is a, a – it's a well-made team. Now, if you're talking about – with the sports business journal, this is more about a well-run team. Uh, you, you feel kind of bad for the women's national team because you know the monetary stuff is not there, and there's a lot of question marks in that aspect. That's a whole. That's for a whole other show, though. Sure. Uh, so the fact that the Blues, you know, were smart with their money, uh, they won a championship, and they were able to retain a majority of that team as well. I think that it makes sense that they will be the team of the year in the entire North American continent. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I think this was a lot, a lot of it was reflected on the cup run and the, and the, and the fans response to that and how the blues handled that they had the organization as a whole. I mean, this was a Cinderella run and they handled that very well. I think just from the marketing standpoint, uh, merchandising standpoint, I mean, it, it was handled beautifully and it, then it changed and, the entire complexion of championship parades. I'll tell you that it really did. And then I thought that they put on, one of the best all-star weekends in all of sports that I can remember. I mean, and, and this may be biased as, as a St. Louis fan, but I thought that whole weekend from the uh, skills competition to the actual games themselves was very well done Yeah, and, and, and handled remarkably. So big kudos to the St. Louis blues. Not only do you have, not only are you listening and watching to the best hockey, the uh, hockey podcast and the hockey podcast network, you're also listening to the best hockey podcast for the best hockey team in North America as in terms of business organization, the St. Louis Blues. So we're just you're winning all around here by being with us. So we thank you for that. Um, and, you know, I, I'm glad we had a chance to end on a positive note there before we uh, pay some bills and then um, also go on to our interview, because, you know, we, we just traded away a lot of your favorite players here. Just doing some arm check, arm share quarterbacking here. And it's all because of Petrangelo. And I know Petrangelo, the whole saga's got you kind of nervous and it got you down right now. But uh, um, 
we got some positivity to inject into this uh, this show here uh, before we go to break here from our friend, the Hawaii Blues fan. And I'm not going to say anymore. I'm just going to play it for you right now. Then we'll play some bills and then we'll get to Jay Fresh coming up here on Blue Notes. Up a parking lot. Pink hotel. We're taking a swinging hot spot. It always seems to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone. They pay paradise and put up a parking lot. All the trees, holding in a tree museum. Charge the people five bucks just to see them. Going it on, seem to know that you don't know what you got till it's gone. Pay paradise, put up a parking lot. Aloha, I'm Guy, the Hawaii Blues fan, host of the Blue No Fan Report, and this is my Aloha commentary. As you can see, I'm in Foster Botanical Gardens, the world-famous Tree Museum, which inspired Joni Mitchell's Big Yellow Taxi. Why, will you ask, am I in a tree museum? Well, right now, the only place that you're going to see Lord Stanley Cup with the St. Louis Blues name on it is in a museum, the Hockey Hall of Fame. That's right. A huge congratulations goes out to the NHL and the Tampa Bay Lightning. The NHL put on a wonderful playoff, and the Tampa Bay Lightning finally got their second cup. Good job, Lightning. Uh, congratulations to Kevin Shattenkirk, and congratulations to Pat Maroon, only the second man in the expansion era. That's going back 53 years to win back-to-back -back cups on different teams. Pat, great job, my friend, and I wish you well in free agency. <clears throat> One of the things about this great park is it has a lot of rare, endangered, and exotic plants. Just like the captaincy of the St. Louis Blues. Alex Petrangelo's time has become rare and definitely endangered. Um, you know, he got us the cup. He led us to the cup. He's been a wonderful blue. If he has to leave, he has to leave. If they get something done, they get something done. I'm hearing that Armstrong still thinks he can, but who knows, they only have a few more days left. One of the other reasons that people come to this beautiful park is the peace and tranquility. And normally, the off season is full of that. Except this year, I think the Blues offseason could be quite tumultuous. First of all, you have the draft coming up next this week. There are some names out there that I'm hearing. Lucas Reichel from Germany, uh, Peralta, and um, oh, the other name just slipped me. Sorry. Uh, I'll throw his name up here. They are names that are being thrown out as possible for the Blues. The other one is the goalie from Russia, who is a number 10 prospect who everyone thinks could be 
a top 10 pick. Top 10 pick. I see him going anywhere from 8 to 12. Blues are 26. Is it possible they could wrap something up and move up? Or, better yet, with this draft, the it's so deep. The difference between 26 and, say, the middle of the second round isn't that different. Maybe you could uh, trade down and get an extra pick, maybe in the second or even in the third round. Quite possible. Um, I think the Blues have the opportunity to make something special happen in the draft. Um, I, and, and I really look forward to it. This may be my last Aloha commentary, as the guys have told me they're going to take a little bit of a break until the season gets ready to start up again, unless something happens, and then maybe I'll be back. But if it is, I got to say thank you to all of you. I've heard that there have been some very good comments about this, that you like it, and you like the bullshit that I have to spew out. Well, so, with all of that being said, I say Aloha, much, much mahalo. Because this is Guy, the Hawaii Blues fan, host of the Blue Note Fan Report on YouTube, telling you, I am bleeding blue with you. Aloha, mahalo, and I'll see you on another Aloha Commentary and Blue Note Fan Report. Yay! Let's go blues! Let's go blues! This episode of the Blue Notes podcast is sponsored by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? You know if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. Have you ever wished she was smoother down there? She probably has too. If you're anything like me and or just not a neurosurgeon with a steady hand, you probably neglect below-the-belt. Manscaped has us covered. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. Whew! One of the coolest features is the LED light which illuminates growing areas for closer and more precise trimming. That's insane! If you're listening to me speak right now, you're one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product and I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Get 20% off plus free shipping when you use the promo code THPN at manscaped.com. Your balls will Thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping again with promo code THPN at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code THPN. The best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Do you want a true champion's perspective? Well, come on over to the Bolts broadcast, where we talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning, have some friendly banter, and of course, hockey name of the day. If you pronounce it, you can get it. Anthony Nunschwander. Ah, you didn't pronounce it right. Anthony? Anthony Nunschwander. It's it's N-E-U-E-N. It's Neunschwander. Anthony Neunschwander. Dude, I always slept in German class, so I don't know, I don't know how you expected me to put that together. Come on. You only took it for four years. I took it for two. Took it for two years? Oh, no. Jado yeah. took it that long.
I, I took it for two years and was like asleep in all of German too. Oh, you you, she, you only took it in, in uh, junior high. You didn't take yeah. it in high school at all. No. Yeah, she sent us across the hallway, and it was like me and I don't know five other people, and all we did was just goof off because it was an empty room of just us while she was too busy yelling at you guys because you guys were a terrible <laughs> class. No. <laughs> We were in a terrible class. A couple people were terrible people. Uh, not going to mention names. Not going to call it anybody in this pod. It was Chase Crawshaw. It was 100% <laughs> not me. Oh, boy. I know a couple of those names, but uh, yeah, it's a good point, Chase. We won't mention those here. New episodes every Monday, only on the Hockey Podcast Network. beautiful NHL 94 music means it is time once again for our Blue Notes face-off of the week and this week we have a rising star in the hockey analytics community he goes in-depth on the numbers of your favorite and maybe not so favorite uh, players in the world of hockey we'll be covering some of your least favorite players uh, today in his appearance we are talking about the one the only Jay Fresh what's going on Jay Fresh nothing much can you hear me now yeah, I can hear you now. We had a little bit of a connection issue when we started started off here, but uh, you're coming through uh, loud and clear. So um, we brought you on today because, uh, you know, as you can see behind me here, Petro, Petro, Petro. This is basically uh, everything that uh, is hinging on the St. Louis Blues offseason this year. Everything stops. Everything starts with Alex Petrangelo. So we will... Uh, um, go ahead and talk about Petro. And just first of all, you know, Petro, Blues fans know him. He's been a captain for many years. Um, but, you know, there's he has some detractors as well, some people who claim that he's not as good as they say he is. And one of your specialties is uh, creating these beautiful uh, panels that just uh, that go into uh, the numbers here for uh, for hockey players. And this is your uh, your chart on Alex Petrangelo. So just, you know, for those of you, you know, for who may not know what all these numbers mean, just explain to me, Jay Fresh, uh, how good is Petro, and what does analytics say about his uh, abilities? Yeah, so essentially, I mean, what the card that, that you're looking at right now uh, describes the player on it. So all of the numbers on there are percentile ranks across the NHL. So in this case, it would be compared to currently playing defensemen in the NHL uh, over the course of the past three seasons, with the most recent one being obviously weighted uh, more importantly. So breaking down kind of his impact in all these areas of the ice. So in the case of kind of even strength, offense, even strength offense, which would be the EV off, even strength defense, obviously EVD, and then uh, kind of getting into his impacts on various areas of the game. So you can see his, uh, his impact on uh, expected goals for, uh, which is essentially kind of quality scoring chances, expected goals against, things like that, a way to kind of measure his impact at both ends of the ice. And then some other little bits of information, like for instance, how he plays on the PK uh, and, and the quality of competition, which is that QOC. So basically if you're looking at that and, and you still don't quite understand kind of what's in front of you, the gist is essentially that Petrangelo ranks as one of the elite defensemen in the NHL from an analytical perspective, particularly this season, which was his best season in quite a long time. 
where he, I think, realistically could have been considered to be a top five Norris contender uh, among the analytically minded people. And I'm sure some less analytically minded people as well. So losing him would be a pretty significant loss for the Blues. And you can see on, on the top there that kind of wins above replacement projection. So that just kind of measures how, based on his age uh, and his performance in the past three seasons, kind of the impact in terms of wins provided to the Blues he's expected to produce for them uh, next season. And it should remain pretty steady going forward. And I think Petro ended up technically fourth in the Norris voting, even though he wasn't in the final three. I believe he finished fourth, you know, in the official voting. But just looking at, you know, some of the numbers I'm looking at here, you know, they, they seem to suggest that, you know, defensively he holds his own, but where he really excels is on the offensive side and especially on the power play. Yeah, for sure. And and there are a lot of cases where you'll see guys who have really nice power play performances. And, you know, sometimes that can be a little bit of a red flag if that's where they're producing a lot of their impact because, you know, sometimes it's not necessarily so sustainable and you could end up in a situation like the Coyotes are right now with Oliver ekman Larson, where you have a guy who, when they paid him, you know, the bag that they're currently trying to move, yeah. he was a guy who provided a lot of his value on the power play and his even strength performance had dipped. Where you don't have to worry about that with Petro is that his even strength performance is just as good, especially on the off si- offensive side of the puck. So really nothing to worry about from that regard. And the power play is a kind of nice bonus on top of that. Uh, you, you mentioned Ekman Larson and you saw the discrepancy in even strength to power play. And that's kind of one of the things that people are worried about is, you know, giving Petrangelo a long-term contract, especially like that eight-year deal. Is Petrangelo a guy that you can see that will be a guy that will play well late into that contract if he gets that eight-year deal? Yeah, well, so obviously that's always going to be a concern. There's no such thing as a risk-free eight-year contract. Uh, and I think it's pretty safe to say that he's probably not going to be an $8.5 million player when he's 37 or 38 years old. But at the same time, I, I see a lot fewer red flags with him than were present with OEL by the time he signed that deal. In, in Oliver ekman Larson's case, he had already had a kind of dip off with his even strength performance when he was signed to that extension. Whereas with Pietrangelo, he's actually only improved in the past couple of years leading up to this season where he was one of the best in the league. So I, I think that any team that signs him can probably, you know, again, catastrophic injuries aside, count on getting performance that's better than, you know, $8.5 million worth for the first couple of years of that contract to the extent that even if his play does predictably dip by the end of it, overall the contract will still have been uh, fair value. And I think I, I projected that contract over kind of an age curve using historical information about how players uh, and, and defensemen specifically age as they enter their th- as they go through their 30s. And uh, overall that contract still came out as a positive and he was still projected to be a positive contributor by the end of it. So really I think that kind of the worries of him crashing down to earth are I mean, they're well-informed because we've seen situation where that's been the case. But I think we've also seen plenty of situations where players have been able to at least keep their performance at a pretty high level throughout their 30s. Uh, and barring any catastrophic injuries or falling off a cliff, I think that it's probably safe to assume that Petrangelo is going to be an okay deal. Yeah, and uh, that's a, you know, he, a lot of analytics experts do agree with you on that, you know, in that it looks like that he is the type of guy that, you know, can still play well, you know, you know, even to this, that seventh and eighth year of the deal. But let's take a look at, you know, what do the Blues lose if, you know, Petrangelo walks in terms of 
wins, losses, goals around. Where where is it going to hurt the worst if Petrangelo leaves? Well, I think that the biggest issue is that you would ideally, if you were losing him, you'd want to be able to replace him with something that would at least approximate what he brings to the table. And I don't know if the Blues are in a situation where they have given themselves the flexibility to do that with the kinds of players that they've decided to give extremely large contracts to. Because Justin while... Paul, excuse me. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and, and and arguably Marco Scandella as well. Um, just in terms of the just cap uh, committed to your blue line. Uh, I, I think that they're... they're and I, I've said this before uh, on Twitter, and then you know some Blues fans have been a bit unhappy about it. But you know, there is a situation where the Blues could have said, "Look, we we're confident with Pareko. We're confident with other pieces coming in on our blue line. We don't want to commit this money to Peter Angelo. We're going to let him walk." And I think that that would have been a possibly smart decision. Uh, one that I think would have been laudable and one that would have given them the opportunity to kind of retool, reset, and maybe get this team a little bit younger and extend that window a bit. The kind of thing they did instead where they decided to do the kind of weird half-measure insurance policy by locking up Justin Falk for that amount of time and then kind of trying to flip back and, you know, try to maybe get Petrangelo back. And, you know, it just didn't seem like there was much of a plan there. It's a little incoherent, and now it leaves them in a situation where it's kind of hard to make that first argument anymore. Yeah, it certainly is. And, you know, some of the defenders that are going to have to shoulder the load are guys like a Pareko. You're going to have Scandella step up. But uh, the one guy that really has chewed up a lot of that Petro money is Falk. Uh, when the deal was made, a lot of people saw Falk as a potential replacement for Petrangelo. He didn't have all that great of a season, at least to the eye test, but is he as bad as everyone makes him out to be? So I, I think that a little bit of his struggles this year weren't necessarily reflected by the analytics, but he still wasn't a $6.5 million player by any measure. Like, I, I don't think he was as bad as he was in his last season with the Hurricanes. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, this guy is not a huge needle mover. I mean, you know, this is a guy who you might be happy with having as kind of a number four defenseman, uh, you know, maybe a little bit sheltered and, and maybe playing a purely kind of power play specialist role. Uh, but I think the contract and the situation with Petrangelo has put him in a situation where I think he's going to be expected to do a lot more than that. And I think probably play a little bit above his abilities because like we talked about earlier, a big part of Petrangelo's ability came on the offensive side of the puck, which Colton Pareko for all of his excellent qualities, you know, that's not the game that he plays. Like he's a defensive defenseman. And which means that you're kind of pushing those responsibilities a little bit more downstream. And I question whether Justin Falk is the guy who you want to be passing that torch to. Yeah. And, and Falk, you know, just looking at some of the numbers there, he looks like, you know, you mentioned the word half measure, you know, he looked, you know, compared to the numbers we saw from Petrangelo, you know, he definitely looks, you know, at least about as half as good as Petrangelo. And a lot of those numbers yeah. definitely not nearly as good as war, but another, another uh, thing that uh, a lot of analysts have pointed out to when it comes to Justin Falk is that apparently he, you know, we talked about Petro, you know, playing well, you know, later on into his contract, well, a lot of analytics experts say that Falk is not going to age very well, um, you know, in terms of his performance and definitely as it relates to his contract. But, um, you know, 
we saw some glimmers of hope with Falk in the playoffs. He actually looked pretty decent against the Vancouver Canucks. But is there any hope that Falk, you know, will at least, I mean, not live up to his contract, but maybe be better? Well, I'll, I'll come right out and say that uh, earlier in the summer, I wrote an article which was projecting the 15 worst contracts in the NHL based on a the, the, the war value in the age curve that I just discussed with Alex Petrangelo. And I can't remember exactly where Justin Falk was on that list, but it was pretty high, yeah. uh, which is obviously not what you want to hear. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I mean, when it comes to Falk, there are, there's a way that he could at least be a solid contributor for the Blues. Uh, and I think that he may not be given kind of a fair chance to do that if he is thrust into the role of, you know, replacement for one of the best defensemen in the history of the franchise, uh, which may be unfair, but I mean, they're, he's going to get stuck with it. You sign that amount of money, it's not exactly movable. So, I mean, he's going to have to figure that out. But at the same time, I mean, you talk about just the amount of term for a guy that age who really doesn't have much of a high floor to begin with. You know, it could get really, really ugly, especially if he even falls off from his early performance with St. Louis. So could be yeah. a big issue. Yeah, it could definitely be a big issue. And I, I know even Coach Berube is, you know, has admitted that Justin Falk, I mean, he may not have had the right opportunities in St. Louis to, you know, really play up to his strengths. I mean, because he was be still behind Petrangelo and Pareko and Falk really cannot play well on his offhand. So it was kind of it was kind of a you know odd fit to begin with there. But, you know, so now we know that, you know, Justin Falk is not going to be an adequate replacement for Petrangelo in any way, shape, or form. But the real uh, replacements, you know, might be this guy right here, Colton Pareko. Uh, Pareko, big guy, big slapper. Um, he's uh, he, He's got everything that, you know, it just, you know, if you're looking at him just at with the eye test, everything you would want in a, you know, top, top defenseman. But what does analytics say about Pareko's current ability and where he could go? Yeah, so uh, Pareko's long been a guy that analytics have been very fond of, especially defensively. Uh, this year, I think, represented a little bit of a dip for him, as you can see in that kind of graph to the right. The top right shows kind of his overall even strength uh, impact, kind of both sides of the puck included. Uh, and it obviously fell off. But, I mean, you look at 2018 and 2019, and, and he's right near the top, like, of the, you know, like, 100th percentile range, which are the truly best defensemen in the NHL. Uh, and on, on that kind of the bottom right graph, you see it's kind of split into the red being defense and the uh, blue being offense. And you can see that that red is right at the top in uh, the past two seasons before this one. So, I mean, this is a guy who has huge pedigree, both from the eye test and from the analytics. Uh, I think he's an incredibly talented player, especially defensively. I question whether he's going to be able to fill the Petrangelo role in terms of what Petrangelo has brought on the offensive side of the puck. But at the same time, you know, this guy is, in my opinion, ready to be like the top pairing right-handed defenseman on a contending team. The question is just making sure that you're putting him with a partner who is going to be able to do the things offensively that he'll need to be able to focus on being that defensive stud that he is. So that guy could possibly be uh, a Vince Dunn, who is definitely offensive-minded. and He is a free, a restricted free agent, and he's got that offensive talent, but his defense is definitely something that's frustrated Blues fans for a long time. 
Uh, what kind of value does Dunn have to the Blues, or is there anybody that's possibly going to offer him an offer sheet? I, I think he'd be a great offer sheet target, especially consider it, depending on what the Blues are able to do with their cap. Uh, I'll say right now, Dunn is considered to be kind of one of the top kind of what you'd call analytical darlings, i.e. kind of players whose value in terms of being measured by these advanced analytics being much higher than his reputation around conventional hockey circles. Like he is considered to be kind of potentially the best bottom pairing defenseman in the league in terms of the overall value that he provides. Uh, the big question mark that I have with Falk, or not with Falk, sorry, with uh, Vince Dunn, you know, you're looking at those percentiles, you see that they're all blue. There's one of them that is bright red, and that would be his quality of competition. Uh, the Blues have not trusted him to play any top matchups at all. Uh, pretty consistently, he obviously doesn't play very much ice time either which I think is interesting. And while all of these stats are adjusted for the competition that a player plays, it always does kind of bring some questions to mind when you have a player who has these incredible results, uh, but for some reason the coach just hasn't been able to trust them in that next step, which is where when you were talking about him as a potential pairing mate for Pareko, I think that that would be a really interesting combo, and I'd really like to see Dunn be given that role. But at the same time, that would be a huge leap for Barubi to trust him from being kind of, oh, he's this guy that we absolutely have to shelter to this is a guy that I'm willing to put out there for 20 minutes a night facing against the top fours in the NHL. Yeah, and one of the reasons why he may be stuck, you know, in, you know, the lower pairing as as he's been is because for many years, the Blues have had Jay Bomeister ahead of him, you know, a, a steady defenseman who Blues fans have been a little critical of and, and rightfully so at times. But I think most Blues fans agree that, you know, towards the end of his career, Bomeister was a pretty steady mid to low pairing type of a defenseman. Well, he's out of the picture now, and in his place was Mark Scandella, who the Blues acquired from the Montreal Canadiens. And it looked like that he had a really good rapport with Pareko, uh, good enough that after just 11 games, uh, Doug Armstrong gave him a four-year extension worth $3.2 million, which raised a lot of eyebrows. And let's go ahead and uh, pull up Scandella's numbers uh, right now here and just kind of give uh, people a look at what the analytics community thinks of Marco Scandella. And you thought that, you know, Justin Falk was underwhelming. I mean, look at, you know, Scandella's graph here. Um, so... Your thoughts on Marco Scandella as a player, was that, was that extension a waste? So Scandella is a really, really weird one. And I, I admit that, uh, you know, some of these numbers, they're not always necessarily going to repeat themselves perfectly, but you do expect at least some consistency from year to year. Scandella, if you look on those graphs on the right, I mean, this guy has been a completely different player in each of his past three seasons. I think he shocked a lot of people after being maybe one of the worst defensemen in the league in Buffalo in 18-19. He actually put together a really nice start to his year with uh, the Sabres uh, and then kept it going with the Habs uh, with some really nice numbers. You know, the sample size was obviously small with the Blues, but, you know, if, if it's like you say, and, and he had a pretty good rapport with Pareko, you know, the, the question is whether he turned the page or whether he just kind of had a bit of a hot streak. I guess that remains to be seen. Uh, if he's the player that he was this year, then a four-year contract of 3.2 is a great deal. Uh, if he slips back to being that kind of, you know, below replacement seventh defenseman that he was in 2019, obviously that's a bit of a calamity. So they, they paid essentially a price that makes sense in terms of a guy being a bit of a risk. Uh, but 
really you can see kind of either outcome. Like either this guy is going to be a steady number four defenseman for them or things could go super wrong, super fast, which, you know, I guess it's really one of those things where you just have to wait and see. Yeah, and it makes you scared now because you got all these question marks with a Falk, with a Dunn, with a Scandella, and and really Pareko a little bit as well. So if Petro walks, is there a good replacement in your eyes in free agency? Some Blues fans might think of Kevin Shattenkirk. Um, I'm not one of them, but there are some fans that think of that. But is there a guy in free agency that you look at and could kind of solidify or at least help solidify the defensive core, maybe not reach Petrangelo's level, but be a guy that can even out that defense all the way around. Yeah, it's tough because what you'd want to replace Petrangelo, at least to some extent, would be a right-handed offensive defenseman. But the Doug Armstrong has already seen to it that the Blues have cast somebody as their top four right-handed defenseman, uh, who's obviously Justin Falk. So if you're talking about guys like you know Kevin Shattenkirk or you know, Tyson Berry or, or, or guys like that who are kind of offensive specialists who could fill step into that role. It's kind of hard to budget them when you have Pareko and Falk in front. So, you know, if you wanted to go for kind of a bit of a more discount look, I could see, you know, I, I mean, Dylan DeMello is the guy that all the analytics people have been beating the drum about over this summer. He's the guy who is not projected to get that much money, uh, who had really, really good results in Ottawa and in Winnipeg, obviously two situations where he was playing on blue lines that have a lot of problems, but he was able to solidify both of them. And he really shouldn't come in at anything more than around three or three and a half million. So if you were looking for somebody who could easily play the bottom pair, but could also move up and down the lineup, he'd be a guy who I definitely recommend they look at. And then in terms of kind of depth guys, if they just want to fill in some holes before, uh, before the, the kids can come in and play, you know, there's guys like Trevor Van Reeves like out there who aren't going to blow your socks off, but who are probably going to come at around a million bucks for a really short-term contract who uh, I think nobody would be too disappointed with. And one final one here for you, Jay Fresh, and this is this is this one I, I thought of. You know, during your you were talking about Oliver Ekman Larson and his long-term contract. You know, we had some fun earlier in this episode when it was just Wags and I. Uh, postulating about a possible Clayton Keller return to St. Louis. He's from the St. Louis area, and of course, the Coyotes are now, uh, you know, their new GM is the former Blues assistant GM, Bill Armstrong, and Elliot Friedman suggested that maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea for uh, Armstrong to kind of maybe see what the trade market is for a Clayton Keller. Now, Keller has a long-term contract himself, and I know I, I, he's some have said that he's been a little underwhelming, you know, at least in recent years. But what are your thoughts on Clayton Keller as a player? And would this be a good trade target for the Blues? I, I have to admit, uh, I am not a fan of Clayton Keller or his contract at all. I would consider it probably one of the worst contracts in the NHL. They, I, I, from, from my perspective of kind of looking at the numbers and also kind of digging into kind of his more micro level stuff. I think that like a lot of contracts that the Coyotes signed, they decided they wanted to pay for potential and stave off kind of the, the risk that Keller was going to blow up and have like a 90 point season. They were going to have to pay 10 million bucks for him. But the issue is that they, they paid him more than he would have been worth in his rookie season. And he's never played as well as he did in his rookie season. Like he's, he's fallen off a bit. He's a very poor defensive player. Uh, his offense has really kind of hit a wall 
you know, I, I see him as a guy who got a lot of pedigree as a result of that rookie season who really hasn't been able to kind of keep it going. So you can kind of see on that. Yeah, perfect. You all, you have it loaded up. I was going to say, I wish I had sent it to you. Yeah. yeah just a guy who's, who's, you know, he's not a bad player. He's an NHL player for sure, but just not a guy that I would be comfortable projecting to be a guy who's worth, you know, the, the huge amount of money that they've paid him. You know, I, I think I was saying in possibly the article uh, ranking some of the worst contracts in the NHL, that he would really have to take a massive leap and then sustain it for a really long time for that contract to be worth it. So, you know, again, there could be some good connection when it comes to maybe coming home would energize him, or maybe there's a kind of mix of players that would work to get him going. But I would kind of see it in that same vibe as the Justin Falk contract in terms of, you know, a number that's way too big for way too long for a player who theoretically has a ceiling at around that number, but it would be difficult to count on living up to it. By the way, that's why, that's why Arizona has a new GM. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, He's got he's got He's got his hands full with some of those contracts, but by the way, Wags, I think we stumbled upon a solution here for Justin Falk. So after Arizona gets rid of Oliver Ekman Larson, we just trade Justin Falk for Clayton Keller. It's done. There the money's probably the same. Well, I mean, we, I mean, I mean, we might be just trading problems, but you know, at least we'd have a hometown kid in town, you know, instead of Justin Falk. So, you know, that's that. That's the you know, one can dream, one can dream. Uh, Jay Fresh, you've been great. Uh, where can people find you uh, on the uh, inner tubes? Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Jay Fresh Hockey. I I actually accidentally broke a trade this morning, so if you want just insider information, uh. Olimata got traded and it got reported on NHL.com and nobody noticed. And so I actually beat Elliot Friedman to uh, to posting it. So Ooh. apparently I'm a real insider now. So yeah, most Mata, of the players, Mata no went play. to LA, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, most of what you'll see is kind of more of what you've had kind of over the course of the show, which is uh, a lot of visualizations, a lot of kind of hopefully explaining and making a little bit clear some of these analytical concepts. Uh, and then also I have a blog at jfresh.substack.com, I believe. It's also linked in my Twitter bio. Uh, but that's where I kind of will focus in on players or uh, potential trade targets or teams or things like that and kind of break them down in a little bit more detail and try to flesh out the stats a bit with some eye test analysis or a little bit of kind of deeper analysis than just just posting the numbers and trusting them right off the bat. Uh, and that would include the top 15 worst contracts in the NHL. I think that you can notice that one because I'm pretty sure Justin Hulk, uh, Falk is the header picture for that article. <laughs> so you'll recognize that right off. And then if you want access to the uh, pictures, the visualizations that uh, you guys were kind enough to show on the screen, uh, full access to them is on my Patreon, which is also under the name J Fresh Hockey. Or for five dollars a month, you get access to those and plenty of other fun toys like lineup builders, where you can see how a lineup would project to finish based on their wins above replacement. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to sign up for that. Really, this is this has been very insightful, and uh, thanks for giving us at least some hope. If Petro leaves, that you know maybe we'll be in decent hands with Colton Pareko. He's a good player. I I, I think if, if he if especially if he can bounce back to what he was in eighteen and nineteen. Uh, theoretically, you guys should be able to keep going without missing a beat, which seems pretty crazy, but that's how good he is. 
All right, Jay Fresh at Jay Fresh Hockey on Twitter. Also find him on Patreon. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, no problem, guys. Have a good All one. Are right, you too? All right, that was that was very insightful, Wags. Um, you know, I I feel a little better if Petro leaves, um, but just a little. Yeah, it's not it's not one of those things where you're like, okay, forget about him, let him go, we're good. But it does show you that you know analytics does have a part in hockey. I I'm definitely old school. I I'm more yeah. of the eye test kind of person. But if you're able to kind of sprinkle that in there and, and look and say, okay, there's a reason why the eye test looks good, then then I'm good with that. You know, just don't base it end all be all on the analytics. If you can blend the two, I yeah. think you're you're going to be in good shape. And the Blues look like they will be with or without Petrangelo. Yeah, exactly. And you know, analytics is something that I, you know, admittedly, I was very terrible at math in high school. Uh, it was like it, like the one class I flunked was geometry. So you know, you know, take that for what you will. Um, but, um, you know, I thought he was very educational and he explained things very well. And, uh, I, I think I am going to give him that $5 a month on Patreon just because I feel like, you know, I, I, I like spending money on things that I know I'll like learn something from or get something out of it. And it, this feels like a really good product. So, um, yeah, thanks a lot, Jay Fresh for coming on. Um, just a couple little bibs and bobs here before we, uh, wrap up this episode here. Uh, first of all, this will be our last regularly scheduled episode uh, until probably November. Uh, we're going to take a little bit of an off-season break, but it's going to be a short off-season, which is good because that means we won't we'll be without hockey for not very long this time. So it won't be it won't be so bad, you know. Hopefully, um, but we are going to take a small break. Uh, we will we will do a free agency episode at some point, and maybe next Monday. Uh, it may be another day. It just kind of depends what happens with Petro and other moves. Um, we'll definitely, you know, pop back on when something happens in free agency. Um, we're also, as the Hockey Podcast Network, we're planning on doing an NHL draft live stream uh, on draft day uh, as the draft is going on. And I'm planning on jumping into it closer to win the Blues pick, you know, late in the first round. Uh, or, of course, if Doug Armstrong does a draft day trade, which we really didn't talk about this episode, Wags, um, you know, I have a, I have kind of a weird feeling that uh, that Armstrong could pull something out of his hat on draft day. I mean, think about the Ryan Reese trade. No one saw that coming and it just yep. happened. And look what we got out of it. You, know, you got Clint <laughs> Costin and Oscar Sundquist. So, you know, it could be one of those things that. You know, we, we don't think a trade's going to happen, but all of a sudden maybe they get up there and announce that, you know, Jaden Schwartz was traded to somebody for a first or, or second, and that frees up some money. So anything's possible, especially with Doug Armstrong. And, and the draft, oh, man, draft day trades are the best. They are. They really are. And, you know, there's there's a possibility maybe Vince Dunn gets offer sheeted. Uh, maybe, uh, well, I guess he can't do that until after the draft, but maybe someone trades for his rights. You just you never know what's going to happen. And, you know, the Blues don't have a second round pick this year. So, you know, maybe that's how they feel that whole who knows? Who knows? I mean, Doug Armstrong, one thing we know about him after a decade wags is that he plays things close to his vest. You know, so like when the when the Ryan O'Reilly trade came about, that came out of nowhere. Um, uh, when the Braden Shen trade happened, that came out of nowhere. Uh, so, you know, I, I like a good surprise wags and Armstrong loves to surprise us. How much you want to bet that they've already got a deal done with Alex Petrangelo and they're just putting this out there to make people go, Oh no, what's going on? And then Friday morning we wake up and they go, Oh yeah, they agreed. I hope you're right. I really hope <laughs> so you're right. I. For, so, for, do yeah, I. so, so I can avoid the nervous breakdown that will happen on October 9th when free agency opens up. 
I just, I just, I'm really, I, I, I can't take it. Um, but um, also, by the way, you know, you mentioned the 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 Reeves trade. Don't ever bring that trade up around with our tip of the ice uh, iceberg podcast host Nick Berlansky and Nicholas Horwat. Um, they get kind of testy when they when, when we bring that trade up because huh. it was such a fleecing. It was such a fleecing, and really, and and when you think about it, they traded Reeves away to essentially launder money for Derek Broussard. That's really about it. Yeah, but you know what? How many Stanley Cups did they win before they made that trade? That's true. And you know what? And even despite signing Justin Falk, despite signing Marco Scandella, you know, they have this, the banner, that will always be up in Enterprise Center. So, you know, don't get on Army too much. We still got that cup. So there we go. Um, also, uh, our, again, our poll question of the week this week, uh, I'll post it on, uh, whenever we, uh, right now, actually, as we're live streaming this, I'll post it right now. If the blues have to eat one and a half to $2 million of Justin Falk's salary to fit Petro in a bit of a different take this time, is it worth it? Uh, retweet and win a cloth, a mask like our winner earlier, uh, just got so, um, very simple and go ahead. It's on our Twitter page right now at blue notes pod. Um, also I, I did a video earlier this week. You know, we, we ended up winning the, uh, uh, best podcast award for uh, the entire hockey podcast network. As I mentioned earlier in this podcast, and I said that, that we were going to have a big announcement this week. Well, I guess the powers that be uh, caught on to that, and they're like, "Don't say anything! Don't say anything yet! You can't say anything!" So it's like, okay, I, I can't say what the big announcement that we learned this past week is. Um, but uh, let me just say this: we will be back for next season, probably November. We still plan on us sounding the same. The backdrop, you know, if I unless I change it again, like I did this episode, this this probably will be my permanent backdrop now. Uh, that's going to be the same. Wags is still going to have his jerseys behind him and his scars behind him. We're not changing, but I'm going to say this. The Hockey Podcast Network is going places, and you will be amazed. That's all I can say. Good way to put it. Very good way to put it. That's that's all I can say. We got some big things happening here. So um, a reminder, just uh, keep following us uh, on Twitter. Uh, we are at Blue Notes Pod. Um, and then, of course, we have our Blue Notes fan line up above, 314-329-4349. Uh, call us. It's going to be a lonely month without podcasting with you guys, so we could use the company at the very least. Just, you know, let it, we're, we're, we're also trying to be responsible Americans and, you know, not going out too much. So, you know, we could, you know, we it gets lonely. It gets We get bored pretty easy. So drop us a line, 314-329-4349, and you'll be on the next episode of Blue Notes. Uh, that's going to do it. Uh, any final thoughts, Wags? Uh, yeah, since we're going to be off probably right up until the election, doesn't matter which side you fall on, register and go vote. Uh, I mean, I, I've gotten into this the last couple of years. It doesn't matter who you're voting for. Just at least have your voice heard. Agreed. Absolutely. And you know what? You know, you can vote today if you want to. In Illinois, they have early voting. In Missouri, they have absentee voting. You can walk in and just, just say you're going to be out of town. And, 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 and you can vote. That's, it's that simple. I've already done it. Um, and I may actually legit be out of town on Election Day. So I can at least pass the lie detector test. But just saying, <laughs> vote. Damn it. It's, it's, you're an American. It's your right. Vote. 
And uh, that will do it for this episode of Blue Notes. I want to thank you for listening because without you, there is no me. There is no Wags. There is no guy, the Hawaii Blues fans. Stick taps to him for a uh, rather interesting Aloha commentary this week. Uh, he's going to take a break until we return on uh, November as well. And I uh, just want to let you know that Blue Notes is a proud service of Toasted STL LLC. And what the heck is Toasted STL, you ask? Well, it's St. Louis sports, but toasted. And we'll have more to come in the months to follow. So it's, it's, it's an idea. Hopefully it hatches into something big and that you can join us for the ride as well. But baby steps first. So uh, I'm Tom Franklin reminding you to not be a chump and always play to the whistle. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.